0: Hello, it is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Ben from the band Jukebox the Ghost over Zoom video. Ben was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, and he talks about how he got into music. Classically trained piano player, started playing piano at six. He has a really cool story about his mom making him sign a a contract that he'll continue to play through high school. She still has said contract, but he did that all through high school, never played in a band, but was in recitals and writing his own music. When he went to college at George Washington university, that's when he met the rest of the guys in the band. They were playing under a different name for about a year, then took four months off as Ben, Tommy and Jesse all studied abroad for four months, came back Started the band, became Jukebox the Ghost, and from there wrote their first record, did a ton of touring, graduated college, moved to Philadelphia, and started to pursue music full-time. Ben tells us about some big milestones for the band, like opening up for Ben Fold, playing the Late Show with David Letterman, other massive tours that they had a chance to do, getting signed to a major label, having a song make it onto radio. He talks about where they were when the pandemic hit and all about this brand new record, which is called Cheers. You can watch our interview with Ben on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it'd be amazing if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five star review.
1: We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: We're bringing it backwards with Jukebox the Ghost. Hey, Ben. What's up, hey, man? Hey, how are you? I'm doing
1: well. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Let me make sure everything is... I guess you
0: can hear me if we're talking and you're answering.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can that's hear a, you. <laughs> that's a good sign.
0: Cool. <laughs> Killer, man. Thank you. Yeah, it was weird. I was having an issue with my Zoom earlier. Like I would hit admit and then... Instead of going, and then the person popping up, like their name would disappear. And then like a few seconds, like it just happened to you for you. So I'm like, uh, and then, it, then you popped up. It was really bizarre. Well, it makes it. you
1: feel better. I, I did the zoom and realized that my camera wasn't even plugged in. So <laughs> there's, you know, there's a lot of user error happening at the moment.
0: It's all um, good. <laughs> I'm glad you're able to get it on. And it worked. <laughs> it was just bizarre because usually it'll go like, and then it'll show your, your thing. It didn't do anything. It like went away. I'm like, oh, what's going on? And then it was just like your picture showed up. Well, here I am. Here we are. We did Awesome. It. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ben, thank you so much for doing this. Um, My pleasure. Thanks for yeah. having me. My name is Adam, and this is about you and your journey in music. And I want to talk to you about the new record. And you guys are doing a big tour coming up. So I'd love to yeah. chat about all that. All of it. I'm down
1: to answer any of your hard-hitting questions <laughs> and some of the Soft hitting ones, if you have those two, whatever. You like. They're
0: all pretty much soft hitting. Okay. It's, I'm just going to lob <laughs> cool. them to you. Great. <laughs> <laughs> <Right, right. laughs> uh, where were you born and raised? Uh, born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh,
1: oh, interesting. Okay. Louisville, Louisville. If you want to say, I, I get a lot of lot of hate for that, but um, for saying it that way. But yeah, born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and then yeah, went to college in D.C. Which that how I met the guys? But I'm a Kentucky boy.
0: There you go. I just moved to Nashville about a little over a year ago. Oh well, yeah, how do you like it? absolutely love it the best decision from la from from san diego pretty much cool. yeah Yeah. i live there my family and i live there for i mean i lived there my whole life brady sickly i spent five years in san francisco but other than that like california is all i know all my wife knows all my kids know and uh you know we moved out here about a year and a half or a year and a few months ago and we absolutely love it
1: that's awesome I, I mean i have a lot of friends that live in nashville obviously from louisville that, right it went down but then just you know people that used to live in new york and la or in one of these other cities are like nashville seems like a cool place let's go there let's try it out
0: <laughs> yeah i mean just being from kentucky i mean you're what an hour maybe it's a little like, bit more was it like or three it... hours i think it's like three hours. Yeah. Oh, from louisville i it's think all, yeah, the, it's all maybe the, way the borders weird. like yeah. A couple, an hour or something—I can't remember. I remember yeah. just getting to Kentucky fairly quickly.
1: <laughs> you can get to the boonies pretty quickly, but then, yeah, there uh, you Takes go. a while to get to Louisville. Okay, well, what was it like growing up there? Um, you know, it's it just sort of a regular suburban growing up. Um, it's uh, I, it's funny. My, you know, grew up in the suburbs and played a lot of piano. And mm-hmm. my, I guess from from a context standpoint, like I was all classical piano all the time. That was my growing up. So you know, oh, I really? had the okay. I had my like neighborhood friends and I did like the normal childhood thing, but I was never like part of the Louisville music community. Like I didn't start a band till I got to college. It was all oh. very serious classical training. Like that's that was my whole world. So, oh, okay. you know, I don't have like the I think a lot of people grow up in a town and and, you know, start get their first like high school band and play the local shows and do the thing. And I didn't have that experience, but, um, I've played in the concert halls at the university of Louisville and I've done many a recital. <laughs> I was going to say, you uh, probably
0: still played, uh, I mean, prior to the band, hundreds of shows just in front of a it's just a different, you know, vibe. I would yeah. Imagine.
1: Yeah. Mostly my parents and the parents of other people that are also taking piano lessons. <laughs> um,
0: wow. It was, when did, it was great. Yeah. When did you start piano?
1: Uh, when I was six, started, yeah, when I was, when I was six years old, I started doing classical piano. Okay. What um, was the
0: draw to, or were your, or your parents yeah, musical or they played you know? So my,
1: yeah, my dad plays uh classical guitar, acoustic guitar, and he like oh, uh, writes and sings. Um, oh, cool. But I was just always drawn to the piano. Uh, there's, there's actually a really cool story with it. Um, I wanted to take piano and my parents got me into like, you know, early music education, kinder music, you know, mm-hmm bunch of kids in a room ringing bells and having a good time. Sure, (laughs) And, uh, I wanted to take piano and my mom, you know, sort of had this like premonition, you know, so many kids take it when they're young and then they get sick of it or they have, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they become, they turn 13 and everything else is much cooler. And so she made a deal with me, uh, when I, I just turned seven and she's like, you can keep taking piano lessons but you're going to sign a contract that says you're going to keep taking piano lessons until you graduate from high school. Oh, wow. And, and, and look, my mom is not like this disciplinarian, She's right. not a scary person at all, but that it was sort of this, like, you know, trying to trick my six, seven year old brain into understanding that this is like a big deal. It's a commitment.
0: Mm-hmm. Cause like, what is a commitment to a kid? It's nothing, um, right. you know? then you could just have the option and be like, eh, "I'm done with this."
1: Yeah, and, and now so, she has
0: that to kind of hold you accountable. Yeah, she still has the little piece of paper. Uh, That's with, incredible. With my
1: with my ex on it.
0: Um. So
1: yeah, I started. I started taking lessons, and then it was everything. Uh, and I, I practiced hours a day, and I, I remember in even in middle school. Um, talk about this a lot because I love. I'm a huge soccer fan. I play soccer okay. all the time now, and I loved it then. But my piano teacher. Said to me, she's like, you can't do a sport and piano. Piano is your sport. Mm-hmm. You can't go home and practice three hours a day if you're also playing soccer three hours a day. So that piano became my sport. So I was doing that two, three hours a day instead of
0: being on the and, yeah being on the team soccer team. Soccer team. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I have a son that's six and we got him a drum set in the, like when COVID like it first started and everyone was stuck inside and yeah. my son's got all this energy and he used to play, he, he plays baseball still, but he would, he was doing this baseball thing that they had to stop doing. So I'm like, okay, we got to get him something to do. And we bought him a, like electric kit, a friend of yeah. mine recommended it. So we got him that to not drive the whole neighborhood wild, but uh, he played it for a bit and he kind of just didn't wasn't super interested in it until we moved here and we got him a drum teacher and now he like loves playing. Yeah. We also have a keyboard and my older son was taking keyboard or lessons on piano and he just kind of same thing. He just got sick of it. Uh, But my younger son will go over there and play like a lot more. Like he's like interested in it. So I'm like, I need to get him into lessons. Yeah. But I like that contract thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's like,
1: it's just give him a, give him a choice and then, you know, have them on, you know, something to sort of, show that it's a real thing it's important right it's not just like this thing you do because you know with sports like you play soccer for a couple months and you play baseball for a couple months and right that's where he's at right now with
0: baseball he's doing baseball and then like he's kind of interested in basketball but it's like I I i think
1: looking back you know my parents didn't have like any money uh when when we were young and so for them whatever that weekly lesson fee was like that was a right lot. so they I were mean, like it, they're freaking out too you know they well, were it's young not cheap and like, it still oh. is
0: you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. We, the drum teacher makes a good chunk <laughs> <of> change <Yeah. laughs>
1: but also it's like you know kids can't like um they can't self uh critique they can't self-discipline it's mm-hmm. like having a teacher having someone with that accountability like it's, it's huge. And I, I was very lucky to have amazing teachers all the, that's, all the way through. that
0: kept me that's going. That's so cool. That is so cool. So you were like all in on piano and classically trained. So you're learning, yeah. I'm sure, crazy scales. Were you writing music at the time or basically just going off what you were reading? And
1: I started writing when I was like 11, 10, 11, 12. Um, mm-hmm. And it all came from playing classical music and then starting to improvise off of it or steal a progression from a Beethoven piece that I liked and just, Trying to, I was just always trying to figure out what was happening, and take it and adapt it and adapt it and adapt it. And it, I mean, it was something my teachers did not like. You know, the, oh, classical, really? the classical world is you play what's on the page, you play it. Mm-hmm. There is a way to play it. There's a way to learn. There's a way to express yourself. There's a way to do it. And so it was a real push pull uh, with my with my teachers. Like even I was trying to write. Um, there's solo sections for uh, you know, a piece with piano and orchestra. And I was like, mm-hmm. I want to write the piano part. That's my solo part. And there was just like, they didn't know what to do with me. They never knew what to do oh. with me. Um, so <laughs> well, yeah, it was, yeah. No, 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 go ahead. Sorry. No, just, it was an, it's an interesting world because it gave me this foundation of like, I understand like music and musicality and my technique is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but there wasn't, you know, the classical world can be very narrowing and limiting, which I think is ultimately why I'm not trying to be a concert
0: pianist. Well, yeah, it was interesting that they wouldn't want you to expand like your creativity. They're like, no, it's going to go like this. And it's on the page like that. And you're going to play it like that instead of like, were you into classical music? I mean, to be not, yeah. Yeah. To not want to go there and be like, I want to learn how to play, you know, let it be or, or whatever it may be just not into the actual classical music, but that's cool. No,
1: I, I never. It's so funny. I never, I would never think, have thought, and it didn't even occur to me till you just said that to bring a pop song to a teacher and be like, "How do I play this?" Oh, okay. It never occurred to me. Um, but you know, trying to, I don't know, just learn other cool things or write my own music or that was always what I was trying to do. And I, you know, I don't blame my my teachers were incredible. Like, let me not, uh, I, I can't say that enough. But their world didn't include improvisation or composition, and mm-hmm. and this the classical world is very organized in that way. It's you're either this or you're either that. I think it's gotten a lot better now, mm-hmm. uh, but for the most part, you play what's on the page and you play right,
0: it well. yeah. Because a lot of other artists that I've spoken to, they'll they would have gone in and then they quit because they're like, oh, I don't want to learn this. I wanted to learn how to play whatever pop song it was, yeah. And then the teacher wouldn't, um, you know bend at all be like no you're gonna play this and this is there's a reason behind it but it's it's really interesting because i think you're the first person that i've talked to like no i like classical music i was into it i it, yeah. aside from wanting to improvise a little bit
1: no i i still love it i still like pick it up and play and we were we were on tour like a month ago and there was a uh, a classical music shop across the street from the venue and it's you know you don't see those very often that's just no. a, a bookstore for classical music and i just went in there for like an hour and nerded out with the guys selling the books and got a recommendation for some Rachmaninoff and which Debussy to buy and it's I, I still love uh, picking up classical music books and, and reading through them and learning
0: about that's it. so cool I mean can you I would imagine you could probably just get a book put it down and then figure it out quite quickly like you could just read part. it and just do it that's so for the most cool. part
1: I mean if it's if it's if it's really hard obviously I have to work at it but I can uh-huh. um, yeah I can pretty much play what i need to play and and look it up yeah
0: that must help quite a bit when writing music because you know what notes go with what like as far as theory goes
1: yeah it's i think it's a blessing and a curse um because yeah i I can envision what the notes what the notes can be and where it can go and sometimes you just got to write a song with two chords and not worry about all the others and (laughs) and i'm always like yo what if it did this or we we you know uh modulated here or added this and there's a time and a place. So sometimes I think <laughs> because I, I love like the music of music, I, 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 I can be an overwriting sort of a person or over arranging.
0: Well, I, what I love about your band with Jukebox the Ghost uh, is that you have those parts, like the, you know, the more chords and singing, and then like, it'll just break into like this crazy piano part. Like, uh, like on the new yeah, record, there's yeah. a lot I can't do, but it's like, there's a lot of like really fast piano playing. Yeah and then it I, goes and then there's a guitar piece over it that kind of like mimics it like it's really cool
1: thanks i mean we're always trying to sneak it in and it's actually a lot to tommy the guitarist credit he'll he'll write a song and be like hey you have to do something insane right here like you just have to go <laughs> like just okay so he's like there's four bars here and then for this section i just want you to go crazy so go write something and that's where i get to do these big arpeggios and have a moment and that's um, cool yeah it's it's fun to be you know i there is a an appetite, but a limited appetite. Like you couldn't, I couldn't just play insane chords and arpeggios all the time. I, I, I wouldn't want to hear that either. So I think you just got to pick your moments where, you know, you've earned, you've earned a minute to
0: go a little crazy. Okay. When did you learn that you could sing? That's a good
1: question. Uh, I think I believed I could sing at like 25.
0: Oh, wow. It took that long.
1: I know that, I know that's weird, but yeah, I was, I was a super late bloomer. Um, so like I, in, in high school, I didn't get my voice to like the end of my sophomore year. So I joined choir. That was the only like education I got, but my voice was very like, I don't know. It wasn't, it hadn't strengthened yet. It was Mm -hmm. sort of still whispery or whatever. And when I listened back to our first record, it's like, I don't even recognize that voice. And then (laughs) something happened around, I don't know, like 24, 25. And, and I was started to be able to sing what I wanted to sing and what I heard. Mm-hmm. And that felt that felt really cool, um, but you
0: were singing in the choir. Like growing, it wasn't like you only did piano. And then at one point, you're like, "Oh, I should probably if we're going to do a band, I should probably learn to." Like, no, I mean, try to I was sing. always
1: I was always singing, but I wasn't singing in front of people. Oh, um, okay. So I was I would sit at the piano and sing, and I and I I'd, I'd, I'd write songs, and and I knew that I don't know. I just always believed. I think it's like the late bloomer didn't have friends at the beginning of high school attitude, where I was like, I know that I am more capable or cooler or able to do these things. It's just no one else knows it yet.
0: And I felt okay. that way with
1: singing. I was like, I, I just, I got to get there and I got to keep singing and I got to figure it out. And one day <laughs> I'll be there.
0: <laughs> one day I'll be doing this for a living. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. So you end up going to college and that's where you met the rest of the guys in the band. But is that, did you go for music? I, w- I
1: went for politics. Um, Oh, interesting. And and that lasted all of about two weeks. And I found everyone that was doing politics at the university to be just so obnoxious. (laughs) I didn't want to be with any of them ever. Um, Okay. So, yeah, I went to George Washington University in DC. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I had a music scholarship. So I was in the department um, and then just fell in love with the, the professors there. And they let me do whatever I wanted. So I was doing jazz performance and classical composition and playing in the band and just so, it yeah go. so when
0: do you guys form the band like were you you had a name prior to uh oh, we did yeah yeah so yeah, you got your research in <laughs> <laughs> a little bit <laughs> uh but uh i mean you start a band where how do you guys meet? i mean to, you said you had never like really sang in front of people and now you're going to present songs yeah what was that like okay, the first so, time you'd show people songs no so no i
1: mean i had i to be fair i had sung like I had done a handful of of songs on on my own, but never with a band. Um, But freshman year, uh, Jesse, who's the drummer in the band, there's a Mm -hmm. drum kit behind me there. He often plays it. Uh, (laughs) He lived uh, next to me in the dorm, freshman year dorm. Uh, Okay. And so we just started playing together. um, And there was another guitarist, Tiago, who we, you know, we like to talk about, but Tommy doesn't like to talk about he, he, <laughs> he, he moved, uh, he's Brazilian. He moved back to Brazil after our freshman year. Um, and Jesse and I had been playing in this band, which, uh, was called the Sunday mail. Mm-hmm. And Tommy had put up a flyer looking for uh, a band to play with. I think he listed, he, he said, I want to make a band that sounds like fish and the flaming lips. I think that was his reference point, which <laughs> okay. I was like, that's not us, but whatever, we need to play with somebody. Sure. Um, and he was the only other guitarist we ever played with. And then That's it was crazy. the three of us that sophomore year and just started playing every show we could and, you know, flyering every dorm room and playing benefit concerts. And I'm sure, anyone that was at that school at that time was sick of going to some outdoor event and seeing our name on the bill and hearing us play.
0: So it's well it started off with you know the first 3 of you guys and that was Sunday mail. Did you keep those that name in those songs when Tommy joined or did we you did, add- We did. Okay. Yeah, we
1: we made him learn those songs and okay. the parts <laughs> that the other guy uh that the other guy wrote. Um but then uh our our junior year we all studied abroad and took a break and when we came back we decided like okay, let's get rid of that, shed the old skin, get rid of the old band name and uh come up with something different. Came up with Jukebox the Ghost and uh and that's where we are, and that was back in two thousand and six.
0: Oh wow! Where did you study abroad? At I'm curious.
1: I was in I was in Bristol, England. Oh, a little, rad! Little, little, little cool little town in the southwest of England.
0: Okay, um, loved it. it. Were, did, just to experience that, and then yeah, you just to have just to yeah. have
1: an adventure. Um, I have some family in England, and it seemed like a nice place to go. And I spoke the language, which was cool. And <laughs> um, yeah, and I honestly, I got there, and I thought it'd be a full full workload. I went to uh-huh. class two days a week for a total of five hours and I, I was just left alone. Oh, that's so awesome. It was, just, it was just like four months of just being a, a person in a different country and traveling around and I had That's the best cool. Time.
0: That's really cool. And then you get back, you guys reconvene, you, you obviously wanted to keep playing. It's, so you're only there for four months. It wasn't yeah. like a full year. No,
1: no, no. It's just like we all are all of our, what, what, what would have been our spring semesters. Got it. Um, okay. So, yeah, we did you guys back.
0: all different parts of, all different parts of the world. Yeah, we all spread out. Uh, so Tommy,
1: a guitarist, he was in Rome, and uh, uh, our drummer went to uh, Melbourne, Australia. Okay, so we really didn't talk to him. Sure, uh,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it was nice. I think we all sort of like. I don't actually. I don't know if that's true. I knew that I wanted the band to be a thing, and I don't know if they were completely convinced at that point. Um but it was nice to go have some space and think about it. And then um, when we came back for our senior year that fall, um, we actually, our our manager who is still our manager, we had met him the year before. He would have still been in high school at that point. Uh, oh, wow. And he's like, he convinced us to let him be our manager. And he was like, you all have to make an album. So, <laughs> and he's in high she, school. He's like, uh, right, he would guys. have just been, he's finally in college at this point. <laughs> okay. He's always been this kind of a guy. <laughs> That's um,
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> And uh, yeah, he opened a show for us in our cafeteria. That's how we met him.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Um, and uh, yeah, so we, we made our, our album over the like Christmas break um, in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I think we did the whole thing in six days. Wow. Um, and that was that.
0: And so you put the record out as or independently and what try to play still more shows just around D.C. or are you like, we need to hit the road?
1: Yeah, so something at the end of our senior year, something happened and people started coming to shows that weren't just our friends or people we had begged to come. Like okay. some sort of critical mass had switched. And so I remember we played a show at a, at a bookstore in DC and we thought that 30, 40 people would show and 200 people showed up. And oh, we're like, wow. Oh, this is, this is cool. And then we did an album release or an EP release show at the end of the, uh, our, our senior year and sold out a great club called the black cat which is like a 500 600 person room in dc
0: whoa
1: and we're like i don't know i i was just thinking okay if we can do this here surely we can find a way to do this elsewhere Uh and so we took the summer off we we had a little break we all went you know home and stayed at our parents places and then moved to philadelphia at the end of the summer after graduating and hit the road and just started touring our asses off i think we did 170 shows that first year Um, wow and to nobody i mean we are when when we would play a show to 15 people that would have been a huge success and we're saying from stage hey thanks for being here if anyone can put us up if you have a place for us to stay please come talk to us at the merch table we'd love to crash at your place (laughs) right right did that for years we had no money and no fans and you know, just trying to survive and, and playing these shows.
0: What kept you guys going? Was it just the fun of it and and kind of seeing, I mean, to, to go, like, I, I would, I would think that at some point a band would be like, okay, you know, we've been doing this for this long and yeah. and no one cares. You must've got validated at some point, right? Early we would on. Always, it was-
1: it's, it's almost like a, like a bad relationship early on. Like we always got just enough validation to be like, okay, Let's keep going. This is this, uh, okay. is, this is working. So, um, what what has always been the case, which which feels good, is we'll, if we go to a city and we play um, and play in front of new people, when we come back the next time, there are always more people at that show. That's so great. in those early years, I mean, I remember Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, the first time we played, we opened for a band, and maybe there were fifteen people in the crowd. And by the end of like two years later, we were pulling 150, 200 people in that town. And it's all word of mouth and it's all because we kept showing up. And so we just kept doing that all over the country and built up this fan base by just like touring relentlessly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we got uh, our first like big opening band break was touring with Ben Folds in 2009. Wow, that's huge. And that like that unlocked a lot of fans yeah you know? did he
0: find you guys did he know hear you guys or like do you know how that even happened i don't think he
1: did and in fact I, we barely interacted the whole tour which was a little <laughs> disappointing to me to be honest but i think he'd just gotten remarried for the however many of the time sure. he's, you know, he was doing. His, I, I understand it a lot better now than I did back at the time. Yeah, you're like, why um, does this guy want to hang
0: out? Like, like why would he hang this... out? Like, I'm supposed to be like
1: on his bus and playing music and playing piano all the time. And it didn't shake out that way. <laughs> also, we were just such like dipshits and showing up late and
0: stealing their rider food and doing all this stuff that we just didn't know. Right. Um, I mean, you don't have any clue that that's what what happens, right?
1: No. And and our, our, our booking agent was like, you all have to hire a tour manager for this run. Like, you have to have someone to help you out so we we, we brought our friend Shervin Lenez, who's a now a very well-known uh, photographer and only a photographer and is not a tour manager and so you <laughs> he, he didn't know what he was doing we didn't know what we were doing um, the whole thing was ridiculous uh, and I think you know it was someone in his management and somebody was a fan I don't and I'm sure he signed off on it but I don't know how it shook out
0: that's cool. Um, I know that there are these little unwritten things that you kind of learn as you tour, not that uh, I'm a touring musician or anything like that, but I've interviewed a lot of people and somebody told me that I think they, they filled in or it was like their first time they were doing a tour and they were like the new guitar player. I can't remember what it was for a band that had been signed or whatever. And I guess he, he said something in the mic about like, I don't know. I can't remember what it was. It was like something along the lines of like, turn up this or blah, blah, blah. And something happened where it was like, the singer was like, Oh, like you do not like almost like a death stare. Like <laughs> you do not talk to yeah. the sound guy or something in the middle of the show because it makes it look like you screwed up. It was just this whole thing. Oh yeah. It was, there, like, it was something I would have never even thought of. And he was like, I never did it again. <laughs>
1: there, is so, there is so much little etiquette like that. There's this, this, uh, this language that gets spoken, you're completely right. Um, You know, looking back, I don't know how many faux pas we made on that. tour. The big (laughs) one really was, we thought they had left. And so we went and like took their cliff bars out of their green room. Okay. And, and I guess the, someone had gone, went back then to, to get their food and it was gone and someone ratted us out and (laughs) their tour manager, um, it was this crusty old English dude named Ashley, um who and this is a separate anecdote he had just gotten he did a lot of uh country tours and he said okay. he just got off tour with this flash in the pan no talent singer named taylor swift oh okay I'm, I'm still holding on to that one so he so he called that one uh incorrectly sure. Um so obviously knew, anyway.
0: what he
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, knew what he was doing but anyway we uh we like we didn't get a green room for two shows after that. They just put us in the kitchen. <laughs> you put on
0: punishment. We were all, we were being punished. <laughs> That's um, so funny. Oh wow. <laughs> Did you tour or do you, uh, when you were doing those tours early on? Were you playing with like a full piano, like a baby? Like were you touring with a piano or a no, keyboard? No, no, we were
1: in a we were in a minivan still at that point with all the okay. seats out, but our three. Um, so no, it was just a just a keyboard with an X stand and. Okay. And a keyboard that uh, a synthesizer that I had stolen from our music department at the university, um, that was held together by duct tape. That's funny. And did not have a did not have a touring case, not have a road case.
0: That's. I hilarious. mean, we were, we
1: should not have been let out of the house. We didn't know <laughs>
0: what we were doing. I only ask that because uh, Andrew McMahon is on your record, who yeah. I've had a chance to interview a couple of times, and I remember him telling me when he was doing something corporate. Uh, the big thing was that he only he had to play like a legitimate piano. I think, and maybe yeah. not. It was a maybe it was like a, a stand up, but it wasn't like a. But he so like they would tour and he'd be like lugging this piano like onto a stage in like a dive bar in you know Minneapolis or something and like he would get these some looks from these door guys like who is this guy what a nightmare (laughs) so I've always wanted to be able to do that but it's uh,
1: for those reasons it's such a pain in the ass that I was like I've never. It's like, hey, guys, we're going to have to get all of this stuff out. We're going to have to buy a trailer <laughs> right. and we hire extra crew just so I can have a, a grand piano on stage,
0: <laughs> so which I absolutely would. No, it was yeah. just so funny. I was, I was like, I got to ask you because I knew that he was on your record. So And you yep. guys toured with Jack's mannequin, too. So, yeah, yeah. And um, it's funny
1: when we did that tour, uh, we all covered a zombies tune together. Uh, uh and cool. I, play, I, was, I was playing piano on that so he could just like walk up and sing. And he's got a great piano. I really, I am, I'm still jealous of the, of the grand piano he tours with. Oh yeah.
0: It's a beautiful, last time I saw him, he was doing uh, this like Christmas tour. It was right before, it was like December, 2019. Yeah. And he brought, like, he had like this whole setup where he had this like fake, um, like um, fireplace and like, you know, stocking. Was
1: was Alan Stone
0: like emceeing or part of that? I can't remember. Okay. i don't know if he had That's an nice. mc maybe he did he but he came out like he had the christmas sweater i mean he he like really pulled yeah. it off and then he had his piano set up with like the tinsel going oh. and he didn't he like he played his songs and then he was doing christmas song it was just it was really cool how it, he, he did That's and it was awesome. all set up and um but he had this beautiful uh baby grand piano on stage i will so we've we've
1: uh started it's still not an actual piano but the people are am supposed to know. It's like a shell that holds a keyboard and it looks like a grand piano. Oh, that's so bad. Um, but even with that, because then I don't have to tour it, uh, tune it each night, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 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 But yeah Cause he had somebody coming so out good. tuning it
0: when we yeah. were doing the interview. Uh, like right when we got done, he had this specific person that showed up that was tuning the piano.
1: Yep. There's always this piano tuner. They're always the strangest people in the world. <laughs> and I, I think any piano tuner would also say that they're like lovely and quirky and, I don't know. It's a, it's a special breed of human being that tunes a piano. Oh, that's um, cool.
0: So you're going to have like a shell. You're getting a shell made. We,
1: I, we have a shell. We tour with a shell. So now, okay. it, and it still takes up most of, of, of our whatever <laughs> okay. trailer or vehicle or whatever, but sure. it's like the best like stage prop. Cause you put a piano on, on stage and the whole thing just looks better instantly. Oh yeah.
0: Um, that's so feels cool. better to
1: play. Yeah.
0: Nice. Um, well, where were we at going back a little bit here? Uh, talking about the first tour um oh yeah so like from the ben fold show like that would like open the door i would imagine a bit for yeah. you guys yeah and then do like what what kind of happens next do you put were you still touring on that uh, initial record or did you have the next, uh, next album out yet I mean,
1: we sort of never like it's it's very much a blur those years um okay. we never stopped touring like we would tour 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 make a record and then just keep on going keep on going uh it was a so a year or two later, we got the next like sort of big break for us was playing on Letterman. We got, oh, to, we, sure. got to, we, we did our first like late night show um, and that we only got the call to do that the night before 10, 10 p.m. The night before. And they said, can you be you have to be in New York at 6 a.m. for load in. And I was what? living in Philadelphia at the time. The guys had moved to New York already. The equipment's in Philly, but the vehicle, the van is in New York. So they drove down. We loaded up the car at like midnight. Got back to their tiny little Brooklyn apartment at two thirty in the morning. Slept for four hours. Woke up, drove into the city, and twenty four hours after getting the phone call, we're watching ourselves on TV for the first time.
0: Oh my gosh! They, is that wild. how it usually happens? Is no, it?
1: I think that was I think that was an exception. I think somebody canceled, and okay. we were on a short list.
0: That's um, so amazing! So they call you, hey, do you want to be on Letterman? And you're like, uh, of course. And then well, the, you have to just put all this thing. What if you weren't, what if you're in LA? You just are. We you wouldn't, they would have gone yeah. to some
1: other, you know, piano pop band. I don't know who. I don't
0: know who oh my gosh. To. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, it it happened
1: that quickly. I remember got the call from our manager, same one that we met when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, this might happen. Let me, can you do it? And I was like, obviously let me know. And I, I don't know if, if other artists you've interviewed feel this way, but for me, Good things almost never happen. We're all, it's always about to, and it's always that this could, or you might get this tour, you might get this thing, or you might get, and mm-hmm. sometimes it, it works, but most of the time it's just like,
0: I always hear, you, you hear a lot, of know. a lot of <laughs> no's or a lot of
1: maybe, and who knows? So I remember <laughs> just getting in the shower and thinking like, you know, this probably won't happen. And like getting back out and having all these missed calls and texts. And it was like, yeah, you got to get to New York. It's happening.
0: Wow. But it was,
1: it was crazy. Um, was
0: it difficult to pl- do? I mean, to play at six a.m. So are you just on the no. stage?
1: So oh. that was just a load in. I think we okay. still did the show. We loaded in, built the set, uh, built the you know the the music, and we're probably sound checking by ten a.m. Mm -hmm. And then waited around in the afternoon and then did our show at, I think they tape it like four in the afternoon. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. So you did it like, it it wasn't like, Hey, come in and then do a quick thing. At least you got the, you got the play with wracking. It was was terrifying. Oh my gosh. Not only that, like on lack of sleep, I would have made me even more anxious, super anxious. And uh, we didn't know how crazy this was at the
1: time, but the guest before us was um, a guy named Donald Trump. And oh my uh, so we're, and it's funny. He was like, not the person he, I mean, he is the person he is now, but at that point he was just like, I don't know, talking about his tie collection, but he was just getting a little political and it was weird. And And, and I remember very distinctly being in the green room and waiting to go on and watching him. And we were all thinking like, everyone's going to turn the channel. This is some just crazy shit. Like this is like weird and political and, uh we all thought this is but anyway, it 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 worked out fine, but it was very strange that <laughs> looking back, like that that's who we were paired with? Okay.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. And yeah, to think years later he's the president of that stage. Like he opened Would he said he went out before you. Yeah. Would not wow. Have that. wow. Wow. Okay. Um, and then I did see you guys, or you said, or somebody said um that safe travels was kind of like a turning point for the band too, as far as like lyrically and like how the, like, were you taking a different approach or something? Yeah, that,
1: that record, we made that record in Brooklyn uh, with a, a very good friend and producer named Dan Romer. Um, who's gone. He's like a major film scorer. Now he did. I don't know. What has he done? A lot of TV shows. Doesn't matter, but um, super talented dude. And we made it in his little one bedroom apartment in, in Brooklyn. But that was like, I don't know. I think we, we made that record, had time with it. We're working on like Jesse had just lost his father. I had uh, lost my grandfather. We were going through like real world shit for the first time. Okay. I think like we're not just like these idiots in college. You know, th- nothing matters, whatever. Like, right. I don't know. We were grappling with, with the real world a little bit. And so I think we're trying to find ways to like put that into the album and mm-hmm. write songs that felt a little heavier.
0: Okay. Um. And what, funny, how, yeah. well, real quick, just to jump back to where you said that yeah. you said you felt like you found your voice at 25. What album was that? Was that that album?
1: Yeah, that would have been around that album. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's funny there's there's like moments on the other records on the first two records, right? I my voice sounds really good and it works, but it's it's like I couldn't take risks with it. It was all very calculated. I knew and and I think around safe travels the first time I was doing some like ad-libs or just like Mm. exploring a little bit. Um, so yeah, there's some songs where I'm actually belting on that
0: record, which is okay. That's cool. Yeah, for sure. And what would you say? Like the next big, I mean, after that album came out, you, I would imagine you toured it and had other milestone experiences and (laughs)
1: yeah. Um, (laughs) it's, 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 it's funny as we're talking about it, it's all absolutely blurring. Um, all yeah good. those years we just toured and made records we made two records with Dan mm-hmm. um the next record we made out in LA and that record ended up being like that was the first time I was doing like co-writes it's so, like uh, writing with sure. other artists writing mm-hmm. with other uh you know producers um and that album actually ended up the being our first and only album on a major label uh very typical we released it with an indie major label bought it mm-hmm. uh oh, yeah. released it about that. Yeah. and then dropped us before the next record came out and it was all this like whirlwind crazy totally fine interscope will have the rights to that record for the rest of all of our lives um but it did uh you know every little step of the way it just kept on growing and that's it, it's what it's it's what's sort of hard to quantify about our career and our trajectory is because they're aren't that many milestones Mm -hmm. it's just been this like crazy slow grind where even to this day we keep going back to these cities and these towns and more people keep coming and more people keep listening and so we always have a reason to keep making music but it's not like it can point to oh that was the band that had the apple
0: commercial or the uh, the the jeep commercial or which is probably a better thing excuse me it, and like in the long haul right you'd rather have longevity than oh they're that one band that had the 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 thing that one thing that yeah happened. they had were yeah. on that apple commercial
1: it, it is funny that we get uh commended for it a lot which is such a funny thing to me they're like someone will, an industry person at a new label or whatever will come up and say much better will come up and say <laughs> That always like happens to me too. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, why am I blurry off. all this
0: time?
1: <laughs> hello, hello. Um, people will come up and say like, why, uh, let me start over and make it so you can actually edit this into a sentence that makes sense. They're like, you did it the smart way. Like you built up the fan base by playing these shows and, and they, they sort of commend us for being smart and strategic about it. And I just want to say like, I would have taken a number one overnight Success in a heartbeat. Like this was not a conscious effort. This was not us saying, you know what? I think the best thing for our career will be to grind it out over the next ten years and build this into something <laughs>
0: sustainable. You know, for sure. But I mean, to be honest, though, that's the that's what people are trying to strive for. I mean, say you had, especially now with TikTok, it's like you can get a, hit, a TikTok moment that'll translate into a major label deal. And then yep. it's like, we want to sign you. And then you, what now? It's like, okay, well, I have this one song. Now what am I supposed to do? I know you want to buy it because it has 10 million streams on Spotify, but what, how am I going to follow that? Like it was no, some it, you know, fluke.
1: I think it's very hard. I don't know. I don't envy anyone that's trying to break through right now. Because um, I, I, you know, TikTok and, and the way the internet has moved, it's sort of been a great equalizer. Mm-hmm. in some ways but ultimately like i don't know how you convert that into real fandom um or where your people are or who's listening like yes you have direct access but someone else is in control of that like i, I it's funny, i have a relatively robust tiktok at 200,000 followers that i developed, developed by doing like a very i was doing a bit um where i take people's names and i give each note a letter and I find the melody of their name and improvise a song based off of it. So I turn, awesome. I've been turning people's names into music, and it blew up and keeps going and does a thing. but it't don't it doesn't mean anything. If I use that those numbers to try to promote a new song or a record, like it's there's no guarantee that it'll work, and then people associate me with just doing the names into music.
0: Yeah. He, oh, that's the TikTok guy that does the memes yeah. and the music. And you're like, well, actually, I've had this band that I've been doing for X amount of years. For no, 47 oh, years. Well, oh, yeah. No, that's funny that you say that. Okay, so I interviewed somebody recently. I'm not going to ask them, but basically what happened is they have similar story, signed to uh, a pretty solid indie, did does very well on the road. Uh, and they had a viral TikTok video with a cover of... I want to say it was an ABBA song, a cover of an ABBA song they did on TikTok. It ends up blowing up and they get all these emails and direct messages saying, hey, like, what, what, what's your story? What do you have going on? Like, do you have any original music? And the girl's like, "Uh, yeah, I've only been doing this for 10 plus. Years. Obviously, you didn't dig any like research at all. You're just like, no. oh, viral moment. Came back to her. Let's send her a message to try to get her to sign. Yep. So no, it's, crazy. It's
1: so cheap and fast. And I think... What's what's happened now, and, and I'm hoping there's some sort of pushback, is that I think the industry is just looking at TikTok to be an answer, to which there isn't an, an- There's never been an answer. There's no, <laughs> no. like, it, there's never been consensus. There's no way anyone hears a song and knows that it's a hit song, and and people are just always looking for something to tell them what's going to work and what's not, mm-hmm. because. it doesn't matter if you're a label, a publisher, a band, an artist, like it's, it's scary. It's everything is a risk Mm -hmm. and people are all just trying to, to mitigate risk and figure out what the next surefire thing is. And I don't know. I think it's maybe it's just perseverance or for us, it's perseverance. It's the only thing it's just sticking with it and making music that we believe in.
0: But it's also in the same regard, like the algorithm is going to feed what you're doing that it likes. Right. So like they know that the algorithm knows that, Uh, Ben's going to go on and he's going to play a song and it's going to go off this person's name and then people are going to like it. But then if you just came in there and you're like, I'm going to play something totally or or you're like, I'm going to do a dance challenge today. That has nothing to do with what anything you've ever done. Uh, My guess is the TikTok algorithm is going to be like, what is this? We're just going to bury that because we don't know if it works. they know it it knows that what you do now works.
1: And that's it. That's it. It's like that only... It it puts you into this and i think it puts everyone in this tiny little narrow tunnel and then you just get stuck in this loop and it like kind of kills creativity because the whole point of being an artist of any kind is just to be able to like make some crazy shit and see if people like it and make shit that you mm-hmm. like and not get stuck in like i don't know if you write one song that people like you don't people think they want that song over and over and over again but it doesn't work that way. You got to branch right. out. You got to you got to figure out what's next and cool and what what people are going to like and what you like.
0: Yeah. And I think it's hard too for artists to jump from like a platform like TikTok and get people to go over to like, like leave the app and go onto Spotify and like pre-save a song or stream yeah. it there or like there's not a whole lot of people that are artists that can do that kind of juggle. Yeah. Uh the, the artist you're touring with, is, does a very good job at that though. Karuk? Karuk, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, she's crushing it. Um, she
0: kills it on. I've interviewed her before. She's really... I, the. Her website is... The, when I saw her website, I was like, this, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't know if you've been on... No, she has like her own so, game and everything on there. Oh, no, like, I haven't hilarious. dug that far. Oh, no, man, I I, I, mean, I love
1: her videos. I love her music. And I, we got to see her open for a, a band a couple months ago in New York. And it was she is exactly the same i think some artists like you know they can hide behind the camera and, and have a certain thing online uh-huh. and i was like oh you perform exactly <laughs> like you show up in these videos and this is awesome
0: yeah she that's what she did in the interview too i was like this is amazing but it's like one of those things she was able to to bridge the gap with the tiktok into yeah. you know streams but not a lot of people are are it's hard to to pull that off and then yeah. and then make that into ticket sales which is a whole nother beast. It's like so many, so many jumps. So right. many jumps. But the fact that you guys have just done it that way and carried on that way, I mean, that's that's huge to have that longevity.
1: It's it's amazing. And, and, and we don't take it for granted because we'll, you know, go to shows and, and see people that saw us and they'll come up and, and find us and say, I saw you at that Ben Fold show in 2009 and I've been following you ever since. And that, it's not that uncommon to have a story like that with some band we toured with or some, you know, Whatever and that you know being there and playing those shows and getting in front of those fans it, it's what keeps us going and that's the foundation that lets us then take risks and put out the music we want to put out and make terrible TikToks that'll never go viral <laughs> and hope for the best
0: that's amazing um you said you you guys got signed to a major and then they dro- they dropped you after the that record yeah um then you're going into what off to the races was yep. the next album. Was that hard like to, to then face that album or was it like whatever? That, that was a thing that happened with the major and it didn't work out. No big deal. Let's, the way know, the major thing shook
1: out was funny because they, they, bought a, they bought the record that we had already made uh-huh. and released on an indie. So they re-released a record mm-hmm. and paid us for the option for the next record and then dropped us in between, but it already given us the cash for the record.
0: Oh, so that worked out. we
1: made the record with Interscope Cash and then released it ourselves. That's so, incredible. And then great. you had a
0: huge hit on it, too.
1: And, and we had <laughs> our first hit. <laughs> I know the irony, man. The irony. Um, oh, man. And I will say, you know, it, that is, I think, by most band standards, you know, we we had a hit on the last record. It's called Everybody's Lonely and it did well at Alternative Radio. I mean, it's, it's a hit by our standards. I don't think it is by a lot of people, but we cracked top 20 at Alternative Radio and, and we made fans through that and through radio station play and radio station shows. And that was not something we'd experienced before. And it was really cool to feel and see like the power of like terrestrial radio still having some, some oomph.
0: I guess to go back, you had a record. Went out on the major. They give you a check to do another record. Then you get dropped. So you have a chance at this next record. Basically, you they fund it, but you get to release it, and then it has a hit on the radio. How did that change? Did that elevate your career having the you know that song do well on alternative radio?
1: Yeah, it 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 uh I think it got us in front of a whole different type of audience, um, not just the. Concert goers who are into checking out the opening band, which has mm-hmm. you know been our bread and butter. So we were getting a, a, just a, a bigger range of people. We get a lot of like you know, more teenagers, more just people that like listen to the radio, that drive around, hanging out in the suburbs, and um, I think you know it, it all sort of feeds itself. So you we you know it gets on the radio. We start getting more playlisting we see ourselves in the uh at the planet fitness on the tv and go tell the guy (laughs) at the front desk hey that's us who doesn't give two shits you know stuff like that yeah (laughs) Uh, so you know it's just every every little success like that opens more doors we were doing more festivals and alternative radio station outdoor concerts and all these like cool things that got us in front of new people Mm -hmm. um and and anytime we can get a, an influx of people coming to the shows, because we really believe if, we, if if we can get people to a show, they're going to keep coming back because the 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 live show is really what that's our sell. That's our ultimate right. sell.
0: Sure. Um, and you, so, but, and that record came out like 20, it was like around 2018, right? 2018, 2019, when the song starts doing well. Yeah, yeah that
1: sounds right. So yep. it
0: must have been like you had this momentum going, right? And you're like, all right, Rat, this is awesome. It, you know, we're on terrestrial radio, we're kind of the next level up. And then the pandemic hits. Like, were you <laughs> in the midst of a tour when that happened? Like, how did, the, we, obviously, it affected everybody, but where were you guys when that happened?
1: Yeah, we were about to start making our next record. Um, oh, okay. we, we, uh, we had actually made the decision for this record, not to work with a producer in another studio, but to build out our own studio. So, so you already this, had
0: that mind frame before yeah. the pandemic hit. So, so you were like
1: ahead of the curve. <laughs> we got so lucky in December. We like, I started renting this place and I bought all the gear and we had the intention to, to build it out. I didn't know. I didn't really know how to engineer all that much. I'd watched and done my own stuff, but um, the pandemic hit, everything locked down and I got to spend that time like learning how to record and build out this studio. And then during the pandemic at a couple points, we all quarantined together and worked for five, six weeks to make this record. Um, I wow. just did it a, a couple different times throughout. Um, and not only recorded this record, but we have a whole other record already recorded and ready to go. That, Do you
0: really? Yeah. Wow. I did see just, that you had like 50 songs. And was that something that I read?
1: Yeah. I mean, that was, we sort of always go into a record cycle with 50 songs. I think that, <laughs> okay. I, you know, they, at, at a certain point you, you have to stop counting the songs that didn't make it on old records. But, um, for this one, I do think we, we recorded 27 songs, I think all wow, in. it was a lot. I mean, I, I was exhausted, but it, it's funny the the pandemic hitting did a, couple interesting things you know we we've talked a lot about how much touring we've done and it was actually really good for me to take a break from the road there hadn't i'd never been home that much ever since we started touring and that was in 2007 mm-hmm. so to have a period of time where i wasn't on the road i wasn't traveling was f- like uh foundationally altering i was like oh this is a different way of existing i can Like build a routine, I can take some more risks, I can work on some projects that I wouldn't otherwise be able to work on, and we can spend time on this record just working on songs that if we were paying $1,000 a day to be with a producer in a studio or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. we'd never take the risk on. Um, So we ended up with some songs that are like weirder, cooler, more complex than I think we would have if we had done the record in the way we'd done them in the past.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I, lo- I love the album, man, from start to finish. You put it on and I feel like I should be like showing up to like in a theater to like some Broadway show. Like it's just like, yeah. it's like big, like, uh, like it's like a the Yeah. It just has this vibe that um, like right when you turn it on, you're like, wow, like I could see this being like a musical nice. or not a music, like a, I don't know, no, some I- s- theatrical show that's going to yeah. un- accompany yeah. this because it's just that big of a sound. I mean, look, we all—I think we have been leaning into the theatrical part of it.
1: I think for for many years we sort of shied away from it or thought we weren't supposed to. But no, like let's get weird, let's get theatrical. I've actually started writing for musical theater. I have a couple of musical theater projects in the works outside of the band. Like, oh wow, I am I'm, I'm into it. Let's go. Let's let's see what happens. You know?
0: Yeah, because it's it's it, it's big. It sounds big right out the bat, and then like I said, it has a lot of technical piano playing in it, but like big vocal parts and sing, sort of like sing big singing parts. And it's just such a cool and not all of it's like all the songs kind of sound a bit different.
1: Thanks. Yeah. I mean, we, we really tried to give each one its own space and, you know, we have a lot of songs that flow into one another, I think, which adds to the sort of theatrical. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, adventure feel because. Sure. It kind of times, goes
0: out and then into the next one. And you don't know like, when oh, one song ends or yeah. another one
1: begins. Right, um, which you know, we 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 come from a place where we just like making albums, so we want an album to feel like an album, and it flows through, and
0: which I love. It's by not the way, just
1: single single, thank you. Right. Um, but yeah, we had we had so much fun making the record, and did it all in this tiny little backyard studio.
0: So that's where the record was made. I love this that piano it. too. The white, the uh, white so, seat in the yeah,
1: it's so it's trashy, killer. and I love it so much. It sounds terrible. It's just does real, it. Yeah, it's like, it, it's one of those like janky and it's got a lot of mechanical sounds. And if you mic it close, it's all like, um, you know, asmr like, <laughs> I
0: love it. I love it, man. It's such a cool piano. It looks so clean. That's funny. They're like, it's junky. I'm thinking like, well, wow, that looks like a beautifully super expensive I mean, piano. It, no, it was a $400
1: Craig, Craig uh, Facebook Marketplace purchase Oh pandemic because I was working down in the studio, I, you know, I have another piano in my in my apartment that's like a, a nicer piano, but you know my now wife is working up there, so I needed to get out, and I was working down here, and there's no piano, and I was like, what I'm, this is my, how am I working in a space without a piano? So
0: um, you got that thing.
1: I don't know why I didn't invest in like a real piano, but I really am happy to have something that sounds like this unique and yeah, you and you particular. use
0: that on the record. Yeah, or did you use yeah. your one upstairs? Oh wow. Uh,
1: we used both actually. Went back and forth. So some of like the thinner, quirkier, more atmospheric piano sounds are this one. Mm-hmm. And then the cleaner piano is the one I have uh in my in my actual apartment.
0: Amazing. And you had Andrew McMahon, like we said earlier. Uh you toured with him before and yep. he did a, a song with him and he co-wrote it with you. Is that what I saw?
1: Yeah, we yeah, we wrote that together actually not too far uh too long before the pandemic hit. So I was out oh. in LA. We wrote the tune together um and when we when it came time to record it i just couldn't get his voice out like the way he has such a unique way of singing and delivering Mm -hmm. uh lines and i just kept hearing the second verse in the pre-chorus as he sang it so i was like i asked him to if he would feature on it and sing on it and he was obviously super happy and super down amazing.
0: Did he Um, send you the vocal or did he come and do it with you guys?
1: No, he worked the, that that's the only song on the record that was, that I didn't, or that we didn't produce. Uh, So the, that producer and also the writer on that song, Brian Phillips was out in LA. So he and Andrew cut that together and then they sent it to me.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. it's a great song. It really is. Thanks. It definitely has that Andrew McMahon feel to it for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but wow. Yeah. I, I think the record's incredible. And then you are doing a tour to support it. And then I saw that you're doing the Halloween queen shows too.
1: Yeah. That's become this whole other, it's brought on a life of its own, uh, which is such
0: a cool idea.
1: Yeah. So, so for those that don't know, we got like, I don't know, seven years ago, six, seven years ago, started doing this show kind of as a joke, but just for fun called hollow queen. And we would play a set of our own music, like, you know, 45 minute hour set, and then go off stage, I'd shave my beard, just leave the mustache and we'd come back out dressed as <laughs> Oh, you as got queen. That,
0: that into Oh, we go
1: full on. We do oh, full man. costume, go for the mustache and do a full hour as queen um, That's so awesome on stage. And it's just, it's just, we just do it around Halloween. We do a couple uh, different cities each year and it's just turned into this massive, amazing party wherever we go.
0: That's so awesome. And you're I saw that you're doing it on this tour, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's been announced, but it oh. by the time this airs,
1: let's do this again. Yes, we are doing it on this tour. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's I love uh, it. Yeah, it's Salt Lake City and Salt Lake City is the first time. We're doing Denver again. And I believe we're doing DC and New York City.
0: Okay. Bomber. I saw you're doing you're playing Nashville. Yeah, uh, but it's just I've- a
1: regular old Nashville show.
0: But I'm excited for the regular old Nashville show. But I also was like, and then if they come out as Queen, that's going to be <laughs> insane. I, I cannot do that five nights a week. That those
1: vocals, they they just kick my ass. I'm late. And you got to wait for your, you got to
0: wait for your beard to grow back out too. I,
1: yeah, that that bit really works once. Uh.
0: <laughs> so the first the first <laughs> artist gets to see, it, or the first uh, city gets to really, yeah, embrace that, and everyone yeah, else just has to deal with the fact that you're going to have. It's Either so funny. Or nothing.
1: <laughs> I have the I have the mustache. It's like the three week period every year I have a mustache, and I'll go out into the world, and then other guys with mustaches, like it's like they give me a knowing nod. They're like, "Yo, <laughs> you're you're in the group," and I want to be like, "Yo, I am not part of this club. No disrespect. Like, I love your mustache, but this is ironic, my
0: friend. I'm doing this for a bit." So I was gonna say, or they're like, "We know that you only have that as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> they,
1: they can tell. <laughs> they know. They can right?
0: tell." Oh wow. Well that's rats. So you're doing four of those Halloween shows and yeah. then along with your set and a big big headlining tour too.
1: Yeah, it's fun that we get to play the new record and you know get some get some fresh songs on that set list and yeah, doing the full the full loop,
0: full national loop. That's so cool, man. And you'll be here, I think, uh October I saw the date, but um da, 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 October third. October third in East. Nashville. Yeah, I yeah. can't wait. We'll Love be the there for sure.
1: Awesome. Can't wait to see you.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, Ben. This has been so awesome. Thank Dude, you, thank so, you much. so
1: much. Thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time and interviewing and asking good questions. And Of
0: course. Of course. This research. has been great. I love it. Um, I have one more quick question. Yep. Uh, if you have any advice for aspiring artists.
1: I think put all your eggs into TikTok. I think <laughs> that's going to be the answer to all of your problems. No, that's not my <laughs> advice. Um, what is my advice? My advice is uh, I think take risks, don't be too precious and get out there and 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 play and perform for people. Like get out of your comfort zone as much as you can. I've always thought you learn as much from a show as you do from a month in a studio. So get out and, and see what it feels like when you're when you're actually playing for people and actually in a space, you know, sharing what you do with with people who aren't necessarily expecting it.